I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 348. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I love it when someone takes something super complicated and boils it down for me. And Jesus does that for us when he says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What? I mean, I've read the Old Testament and there is a lot to the law and there are many messages recorded by the prophets. So my next burning question should be, what two commandments? Well, let me tell you, Danny Gokey sings about them in his song, Love God, Love People, and I can't wait to unpack the scripture with you. But first, let's listen to the song that inspires our study this week. I tell myself to keep this up, that God wants more than just my love. But I've been complicating things, it's just like me to overthink. Gotta keep it real simple, keep it real simple. Love God and love people. It's not just a catchy phrase from a song. It's the truth found in God's word. When things get complicated and when we add our traditions to what God has required of us, then we need to bring everything back to ground zero because Jesus says everything hangs on loving God and loving people. So let's dive in to explore this further. So let's go to Matthew chapter 22. And in there, in in that chapter, we read this in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is huge, and I can't wait to unpack it further, but first we need to understand what is going on in the text. Now, I know you're waiting for me to share my favorite bite right here, especially if you've been a longtime listener. My favorite Bible interaction tool exercise is, drumroll please, reading in context. Longtime listeners, again, know this is a little bit of a joke because on almost every podcast episode, I share my favorite bite, which is reading in context. It's never that far away from me. It is incorporated into my habits weekly. But if you are only ever willing to implement one Bible interaction tool exercise that I share with you, again, I use the acronym BITE for short, but if you're only ever willing to implement one, I want you to choose reading in context. And here's what it will do for you. First of all, it will create in you the habit of reading more scripture. To read in context by my definition is at least read the chapter that your focus text is in. 
but preferably the chapter before, the chapter you're focusing on, and the chapter after. In fact, in some of the historical narratives in the Old Testament, you might even have to back up even further or read even further on to take in the whole story. If you're in the Psalms, the context is merely just that one chapter because that one Psalm is self-contained. And when you're in the Gospels, if you do the chapter before, the chapter, and the chapter after, you will often read several scenes by following that pattern. So I also use the bite of referencing the section headings to gain the scriptural bearings of what's going on in the context. This bite is only really effective when you're familiar with the text. So I want you to use this bite for yourself, but don't use it as an excuse not to read in context at least once, even if you're very familiar with the text. So if it's a a section of scripture that you're very familiar with and you're just using the section headings to kind of go, okay, well, this is what's going on in the overall story and I want to focus in on the text. But I still encourage you read in context because it'll inspire you to stay in larger chunks of scripture. So if I hop back to Matthew chapter 21, remember the chapter before, the focus chapter, uh, I see Jesus entering Jerusalem right before his death. In fact, the section title in my Bible is the triumphal entry. And then we read the chaotic scene where Jesus cleanses the temple. He's overturning tables and causing a ruckus. And then he turns around and starts to heal people. And when the religious leaders got got in a huff about what the kids in the crowd, the children in the crowd were saying in response to these mighty works of Christ, Jesus actually quotes Psalm 8. And we studied that on the podcast last week. And I kind of hope you geek out about that as much as I did when I ran across it in my study this week. But The next scene is Jesus cursing a fig tree, and then he uses that as an object lesson to teach his disciples about faith. And then we see a scene where his authority is challenged in the temple by the religious leaders. And this led to Jesus sharing some parables. He shared the parable of the two sons, the parable of the tenants, the parable of the wedding feast. And then we come to verse 15 of Matthew chapter 22, the chapter where our focus text is, and we begin to see what is really going on in the midst of this profound teaching of Christ. So it says, then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. This makes me want to chuckle a little bit. I have to to tell you, the creator who spoke the universe into existence is standing before them and they think they can trip him up in his words. As we would say in the South, bless their hearts. So we get the sense of what's going on here, though. We they're trying to trip him up and they're trying to give themselves the justification they need or they think they need to do the thing that they're set out to do, which is to kill him. So they first ask him if it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. And then he gives his explanation. Then the Sadducees come into the scene that same day, verse 23 says, and they ask Jesus about the resurrection and who will be married to who if there are multiple marriages on earth. Go read it. Jesus shut them down too. But the Pharisees are not to be deterred. It is them coming back for round two with Jesus that are focused, where our focus text comes in. Do you remember it says verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So you see, this is not a group of disciples trying to understand truth. This is a bunch of religious guys who think they already have the answers. And my admonishment to you is that you might not see that if you don't read in context. All right, but let's let's go back to what what are they asking here? We know their motive. They want to entangle Jesus in his words. They want to trip him up. But why did this lawyer ask this specific question? 
I mean, it could be anything. I mean, the text doesn't specifically say that, but I'm going to throw out a hypothesis. Could it be that this was a question that they had long since debated with no possible conclusion? In other words, they thought they were asking the unanswerable question. After all, how, how could you choose the greatest commandment without diminishing the rest of them? Well, they weren't expecting this. Verse 37, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And this is where I follow the bite of following the the cross references. Because this encounter was recorded in the Gospel of Mark too. And so if you use a Bible that has cross references in it, it should reference Mark. Or one of my favorite online tools is BibleHub.com. And if you're on an individual verse on the right hand side, it will show you cross references to other verses. Now, before we jump over to that other gospel, I want to teach you a few things that I learned from Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart in their book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. When you are comparing the Gospels, resist the temptation to fill in the blanks from one Gospel to the next and kind of creating like an amalgam of sorts. In fact, let me go ahead and just read their caution from their book. It says, the purpose of studying the Gospels in parallel, in other words, reading those stories that are found in multiple Gospels, kind of reading them next to each other. Uh, is not to fill out the story in one gospel with details from the other. Usually, such a reading of the gospels tends to harmonize all the details and thus blur the very distinctives in each gospel that the Holy Spirit inspired. So just like you probably tell stories differently than your best friend, even though you're talking about the same event that you were both at, Um, Sometimes you'll include different details for one reason or another. Uh, Perhaps you want to include different details to one audience or or one set of friends that you are talking to because maybe they um, uh, know somebody in in the story that you wanted to make you point point that out. Or there's, there's just different reasons why you would give different details. And this is true of the gospel writers as well. So here's Mark's account. In verse 28, of chapter 12 it says one of the scribes came up and heard him disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well he asked him which commandment is the most important of all and Jesus answered the most important is here O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these and the scribe said to him You're right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. All right, so what can we conclude by this comparison? Uh, Compare and contrast is another bite, by the way. But Matthew thought it was important to teach the truth of Jesus' statement kind of as a summary teaching. Mark seems to be more interested in the response of the scribe and emphasized um, that, emphasized his response and then Jesus' response to him, but, but still recording the words of Christ. You could expand on this bite by really studying what these two accounts have in common and where they differ, and then use some online tools, like I used um, BibleStudyTools.com to learn things like 
Why did one call them a scribe and one called them a, a lawyer? And I learned that the New Testament uses scribes and lawyers interchangeably. And I can read a little bit more about what their role was in this historical time period, things like that. So that's using an outside resource. And I always uh, ask you to please read the text and, and spend some time in the text before you start digging into those outside resources. I do want to move on to one other cross-reference because, or to, to several more cross-references because Jesus is quoting a couple of areas of the Old Testament here. And I want to point you to those areas of scripture to read on your own as well. There's a lot to take in this week. So the first or the greatest commandment comes from the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This actually comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I wish I had time to unpack an outside resource with you on the podcast, but I highly recommend the teaching that you can find on the BibleProject.com. It's actually just BibleProject.com. No, the. Sorry about that. On the Shema series. They have a combination of blog writings, short videos to unpack this commandment from the Lord which will help you understand what Jesus is teaching here. If he says it's the greatest commandment, then it's worth our time to um, spend a little time studying it as well. I will link to that Shema series on the, in the show notes. Uh, you can find that at michellenizat.com forward slash 348. Of course, if you are a subscriber to my website, you have the convenience of the show notes dropping into your email every Monday morning. And so I encourage you to subscribe on my website when you get to michellenizat.com. Uh, and then you'll get that email once a week. But one thought before we move on to where Jesus was quoting when he was talking about loving our neighbor as ourselves, I just want to ask the question, is it just me or would you naturally think that the greatest commandment would come from one of the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, I guess, in fact, on a higher level, it kind of does. If you study the Ten Commandments as listed in Exodus uh, Exodus chapter 20, you will see that the first four deal with our relationship with God and the last six deal with our relationship with others. So this summary statement of Jesus makes complete sense, even in light of the Big Ten, so to speak. Uh, But that's the greatest commandment. Uh, But Jesus says the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I actually spent a good deal of time this week in Leviticus 19, where this phrase is quoted from, love your neighbor as yourself. I was just drawn to this chapter to really kind of understand uh, what I could glean from it that I would normally just read through. If I'm reading, if I'm reading Leviticus, I don't normally sit on um, in these types of, of sections, but Jesus is, is referencing it. So it's obviously very important. So when you read this instruction from God in light of the rest of the chapter, you see that the whole chapter Leviticus 19 is about personal holiness. And our personal holiness is in direct relationship to how we interact with others. Um, I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I used the bite of making a list. And here are the instructions leading up to verse uh, 19, where we see the instruction to love our neighbors as ourselves. But in chapter 19, we see these things. And this is what I wrote down on my list. Uh, Be holy, which means to be set apart. Revere your father and mother. Well, that's in the Big Ten. Uh, Keep the Sabbath in the Big Ten. Don't make or worship idols, also in the Big Ten. Offer acceptable sacrifices. Um, I kind of did a little quick search uh, in the New Testament to understand what that might look like. Um, I know it's very detailed in the Old Testament. We're obviously not called to um, kill animals and shed their blood anymore because Christ has fulfilled that. But we learn in the book of Hebrews that acceptable sacrifices include faith, for example. Um, So back to my list. Give some of your abundance to the poor. 
Don't swear by God's name falsely, related to one mentioned in the Big Ten. Uh, Don't oppress or rob others. Don't withhold wages earned from people who work for you. Don't harm or take advantage of those with special needs. Uh, Do no injustice in court, either by partiality to the poor or deference to the wealthy. Don't slander others. Don't hate your brother in your heart. You need to reason with people frankly. Don't take vengeance or bear a grudge. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, our personal holiness is in direct relationship to how we interact with God and others. And when we walk in holiness then and, and then love our neighbors as ourselves, right? Well, that's why Jesus said it's a summary statement of the second great greatest commandment. There's one final cross-reference I want to track down before we end our time together. Uh, and that is found in Paul's letter to the Galatians. In chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. When Paul is reiterating what Jesus was saying, we can boil, we can just boil everything down to this, folks. When we are loving others rightly, we are automatically fulfilling the guidance that was detailed in the law and in, in all that the law specified. That list we just went over, we won't do those things to other people when we're loving our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, when Christ came to fulfill the law, it doesn't mean he did away with all that the law teaches us, mainly what sin looks like. Paul says in Romans 7, 7, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. No, Christ did not come to abolish the law. We, we still have a moral obligation to follow the moral standards found in God's law. However, my my Bible study notes puts it this way. Obedience is not a means of justification, but it is a crucial component of the Christian life. So in other words, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to find favor with God because of your obedience. Your obedience is out of is a love response to God. Okay, there's so much to read and take in this week inspired by our song. You can stay in the shallows and just sing along with this song. Love God and love people and go. Yes. Amen. Or you can dive into the deep and really dig a foundation of knowledge and understanding that you will then be reminded of when you sing along with Love God and Love People. I hope you choose the latter. So what's next? Well, read Matthew chapter 22 and Mark chapter 12 in context. Read the context of Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, where Jesus pulled his summary from the greatest commandments in scripture. Uh, Make a list of what steps... Uh, that will contribute to your personal holiness. Contemplate how those two simple phrases sum up the law and the prophets, and then take some time to learn more about the Shema. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. My uh, public Facebook page is michellekneezat, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You are never too late to jump in. So just submit your name and email address to michellekneezat.com forward slash 30-day challenge and you're in. 
Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Eileen from Texas and Alicia from Florida. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It is a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You will also get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This encourages me. It really does. But it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Uh, Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michelleneedsat.com.